Believers are citizens of heaven. That's our subject today here on the Radio Bible Course. And this thought comes from Philippians chapter 3 in our study, verse 20. Paul writes, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory. For the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Believers in Jesus Christ need to be reminded that they are headed for another home, that this world is not their home, and that their destiny is heaven where Jesus Christ waits for us. He'll come back, he promised to, to take us where he is. Therefore, our ambitions and our goals ought not to be down here we ought to be preparing for that life up above. And while we are here, we ought to be glorifying him who is the only true God, Jesus the Christ. It was he who taught that believers are not of this world. In his great prayer in John chapter 17, he prayed, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Now, in that context, Jesus was speaking of his apostles. But the same can be applied to all who believed the apostles' teaching. And that is us. We who believe are those of whom Jesus was speaking. We are not of the world. But I suppose we need to ask ourselves, am I of this world? Do I act like this world is my home Paul writes, Our citizenship is in heaven. And when he wrote to the Colossians, he said, Set your affection on things above, where Christ is, not on things of the earth. We forget that death will soon overtake us. And what we do for Christ here is what counts. Life will soon be over. Paul reminded the Corinthians of that when he wrote in, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. What I mean, brothers, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they had none. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. Peter made Christians aware of the temporary nature of life here on earth also. In First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he said, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness, into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, 
but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. The Christians who lived in Ephesus were made aware of the fact that their salvation made them citizens of heaven when Paul wrote in chapter 2, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now, what does that mean? That may be explained in the first chapter, where Paul wrote, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. The believer is so certain of his salvation that Paul treats it as though he is already there, that we are seated in heaven with Christ. That's where all of our blessings are. They await us there. And since we are a heavenly people, that's our destiny, we ought to be concerned about the spiritual blessings, not physical blessings here on the earth. When you listen to people pray, you become aware that they are not citizens of heaven. If they are, they're not conscious of it because they continually pray for material benefits down here on this earth. They want to be prospered here rather than have riches in heaven. They want blessing here without thinking of the blessings in heaven, which Paul writes to the Ephesians and says they have been blessed. Already they have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. What are some of those blessings? Having been forgiven eternally, having been redeemed, we are sanctified, regenerated, and have been made children of God. Now let's put this in the context of Philippians chapter 3. He said there were enemies of Jesus Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. Never should that be said of a Christian. But our citizenship, he wrote, is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Until one takes seriously his heavenly citizenship, he will not be looking eagerly for Jesus Christ to return. Now, it's just not acknowledging that Jesus Christ is coming back and that he promised to come back. But Paul here writes about eagerly waiting for his appearing. That's like looking for friends who promise to come. And in anticipation of it, you rise and go to the window long before they even arrive to see if perhaps they're getting there early. Perhaps they're friends you haven't seen for many months and you love them dearly and you want them to arrive. 
That's eagerly awaiting someone. Well, I guess not many of us eagerly wait for Jesus Christ. But the older we get, the more we become that way, where we long to leave this body, this lowly body, with its pains, its limitations, and go to be with him with a new glorified body, and that will be like his glorified body, Paul tells us. And he wrote that to the Romans also in chapter 8, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy, comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Those verses give us a hint also that someday all nature will be redeemed and nature will be restored to what God intended it to be. But that won't happen until Jesus Christ comes back to rule and changes everything. Nature obeyed his voice some 1950 years ago. He was in a boat on the Sea of Galilee when a storm arose and it threatened to swamp the boat. And he said, Be still. And the waves and the wind obeyed his voice. He called a dead man out of the grave and said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus did come forth from the dead after being dead four days. Jesus revealed his divine power. On another occasion when the apostles were fishing and could catch no fish, Jesus told them to throw the net in another place. And they did, and there were so many fish, the net almost broke. That was divine power. He knew where the fish were, and he could call the fish into the net. Jesus is God the Son. Now, Paul wrote that we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. But when Jesus appears... Each of us who believe will experience a physical blessing. It will be the deliverance from corruption. Our bodies, which are corruptible, will take on incorruption. This is called glorification. And the time of it will be when you get a new body like his glorified body. We will be transformed, which means to change the appearance of something. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us about that. It says, Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a flash, 
in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed, for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Paul considered himself a citizen of heaven. He was waiting for the Savior. He had confidence in his return, and Paul was looking for his appearing. What a dramatic event was in his future. And if you are a believer, depending only on the crosswork of Jesus Christ to get you to heaven, then there is a change in your future also. You will be changed completely and glorified and taken to heaven to be with Christ forever. That's our hope and that's our confidence. Does a person need to be baptized in order to be saved? Does he need to confess his sins in order to be saved? Does he need to pray and ask God to save him? These are things that people are taught to do today. But we have a booklet that says that is not God's way. It's a free booklet right for it. It's called Heaven's Password. It will convince you that salvation is by the grace of God and that eternal life is a gift of God. Write today for this free booklet entitled Heaven's Password. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.